everybody. Mark, Lily, Eric here. Uh, it's another episode of Wild Wild Will. We're doing all the Will Smith movies, making podcasts about them. We watch Pursuit of Happiness this time. And uh, I, I, I feel like I forgot to remind people, but um, on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Gentleman's Club, we have all, we did this exact same thing for Tom Cruise where we have all of his movies. It's on the Patreon, patreon.com slash the Gentleman's Club. It's only $4 a month. And I just bring that up because uh, what's her dick from uh, Mission Impossible 2 is in this? Oh, Thandie Newton. Is that her name? Yeah, Thandie Newton. Did she change it? No. Recently? She's British, she right? She's British in real life. She's a real human being with a British accent, right? She definitely has an accent. Let me look. Let me Whatever look. Whatever she she was trying to do a New York English. City type accent. English, English actress. She was that was the worst accent I've ever heard in a movie. In pursuit of happiness. I I, I, I thought it was fun. Her trying to do the New York City type thing? I didn't know what she was doing. They're in San Francisco, Mo. Oh, that was a San Francisco accent. What yeah, accent she was, was going it? to New York? Well, whatever she was doing, it sounded like I don't I thought she had a speech impediment for for part of the movie. You know, I feel like we can get into it when we get into her character more. But like, I think I feel like they were almost trying to imply that she was a drug addict without actually saying it. So maybe that was part of like her weird speech and her odd behavior because she's a good actress. So I, I, I firmly don't believe that she'd give us a bad accent on purpose. Well, look, man, speaking of accents, I was just hanging out with a friend from Philadelphia and um, my father called me on the phone. And so I answered in my car. And so we're talking there. And my friend from Philadelphia is also from Rochester, but he's lived in Philly for quite some time. And he was just like, holy shit, your dad has a really crazy like Rochester accent. And like he could just hear it. And so I wonder if that's the thing, man, like to you, it might sounded odd, but to San Franciscan, maybe it sounded very um, ocean. You know what I'm saying? West Coast, yeah. a West Coast flavor on that. Yeah. Very salt water. Put that taffy on it, baby. OK. <laughs> I just want to bring up a very, very full house. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So pursuit of happiness yeah. is uh as the director of it, Gabriel Muccino, Italian man, Italian man. His very first movie was called Echo Fatto. <laughs> OK, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. I don't know what the fuck it's about. It's Italian. <laughs> Echo Fatto. <laughs> was this his first American movie? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> his first movie in the 80s was Echo Fatto. I want to watch it. <laughs> Oh, it looks fun. Guess what um, it's about. Guess what it's about. Echo Fado? Yeah. Um, well, I've got oh, it's I I I'm looking it up and in the plot section of Wikipedia it says someone <laughs> needs to add a plot. <laughs> what? That's the in the Wikipedia. Someone said they need to add a plot. I'm saying Echo Fado is I'm just looking at the I'm looking at like the poster, the poster for it. It looks like a friend's ripoff almost. So I'm going to say it's just like people, a group of friends banging each other, like discovering themselves in their late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Mateo is a 20 year old who's impulsive and hardly committed to his studies. It sounds like he falls in love. Jealousy takes over that kind of thing. So friends, young love, college, it's all there. 
I wonder what's with the fado. That's what they call a um, an erection in I- Italy, an echo fado. Look it up. You're making that up, right? It's what it's in the thing. Do you have yeah, you heard this? No, that it. I think the translation is that's it. No, that can't be the translation. No, the echo fado means that's it. But double like, C. Like there you go. Double C is is a ch sound in Italian, isn't it? I don't speak Italian. Echo fado. So literally, the movie is called "There You Go" or "That's It." Nice. That's a dumb name for a movie. Yeah, so that's the guy that that directed this. Better. So "Pursuit of Happiness." It's it's a uh, based off of uh, a true story. Yeah, right. It's Which the, I did not realize till the end of the movie. The guy's name is Chris oh, Gardner, really? and mm-hmm. he ended up making like a I don't know, just. One of, he's like a Wall Street dude. So he's in real life. Chris Gardner is a Wall Street dude slash. Um, what's it called when they people go around and, and tell you like you're like uh, they try to speaker. motivational speaker, oh, oh. motivational speaker. Philanthropist. He, he had this life where he was like, you know, well, well I'll get into the plot. But yeah, also a uh, motivational speaker did an interview on 2020. Mm. Um, and I think that was, I think that might've been 2003. Yeah. yeah. And then did, uh, made a book. Cause couple, the interview, the, interview was great. Yeah. Made a book and, the, and it seems like the book and the movie were almost like very close together. Cause um, the movie came out in 2006. Yeah. And he was in the end of the movie. Was he? The black oh, he guy was that he, the black guy that Will Smith runs into. Like the last himself. shot, the last, last yeah. shot, yeah. Because I do remember watching, being like, "Why did they just throw that in there?" But it was the guy. Also, the guy was like, "Well, I think Will Smith is miscast as me," which, like, that is ballsy, sir. His daughter was just like, "Dad, if he can play Ali, I think he can play you." I mean, looking at the real Chris Gardner, he looks more like an. Uh, uh, Idris Alba. Oh. I think that's a closer. I mean, if we're going like just based on looks, you know, I'm not saying I'm I'm I just say- feel like either way, like if if Will Smith was like, I'll play Lily Myra, I'd be like, oh my God, like what an honor, what a step up. I wouldn't be like, oh, that's a miscast. I'd be like, wow. Damn. There's a theme of that too, because I know people were weirded out about him playing Muhammad Ali. And maybe that was a little bit more like you can understand people's being like, well, he hasn't really done dramas and he hasn't played like a fighter or whatever. And he kind of knocked it out of the park there. So that's just top. Like, do you really want to go for somebody that looks exactly the same? Like, like you can't just go by like this person looks exactly the same. I mean, I would just be like, I'm basically a nobody. And Will Smith wants to play me in a movie like that's a fucking compliment, whether he looks like you, sounds like you, acts like you. Like, I wouldn't give a fuck. Like if Haley Berry was like, hey, I like to play Lily Myra in a movie. I'd be like, bitch, I'm too beneath you. Like, you don't want to play me. So it's like, I just think it's hilarious that you would even have the balls to pretend like Will Smith was a miscast. Like, who are you in comparison? I feel like it's only a problem when like that one movie came out 21, which was about like the kids who become like good blackjack players and like the leads like a British white dude. But in reality, it was like an Asian guy. Okay. Uh, Didn't Emma Stone do that shit, too? Yeah. 
not a true story with Emma Stone, but she is playing like an Asian character in that movie. But I'm talking about like that 21 movies based on like real people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like when you whitewash. Yeah. But um, yeah, pursuit of happiness. Happiness. This uh, this movie, I went into it. I don't think I've ever seen it. I think I saw clips of it and I went into it feeling negative because I was just like this hunk of shit. That's all I could think. It's just like, I can't. This is going to be the worst. And then also Lily was really talking it down. Mm-hmm. Like Lily was like this fucking you had fucking seen it before. Asshole. I saw you this in theaters. Oh, wow. OK. So this was like my freshman year of college. It came out December 2006. Yeah. Uh, so that's like my freshman year of college. I saw it in theaters and I wasn't as mad as when we saw Tron, which is like probably my worst movie going experience. But like, I remember being pissed at the end of this movie because I was just like, that was so motherfucking boring this, when I saw it in 2006. Yeah, and and I came away from this liking like this movie's pretty good. It was I, not bad. I had a pl- it was very pleasurable experience i tell you something fucked up i came out of it i'm not gonna say pleasurable but enjoying it and i was like you know what i think the problem was 2006 lily too motherfucking young for this movie 2022 lily yeah Let's fucking talk about being yeah. broke as shit. Let's talk about being broke as shit with kids. Like, fuck yeah. Like, 2022 Lily is relating a little too hard. 2006 little bitch Lily who's getting all her money from mom and dad. Yeah, of course she fucking found it boring. None of it was relatable to her. But I ended up liking it this time. I think this movie could be a masterpiece i have two nitpicks that i think stop it from its full potential but this might be will smith's best role and this movie fucking just kind of rules i got one i got one nitpick that if that if they if we can knit this pick well do we want to wait do you want i'm not i maybe yeah we'll wait until after we explain what yeah i'll I'll go i go through the the plot of it but if we can i got one and if you do this it's what Eric's saying, a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh man, I want to get into, I want to even say that what, what I'm going to complain about. Yeah. Was like audience tested. They tested some fucking audiences and then made the wrong decision after the fact of it being. Is that true? I'm no, that's just my guess. That's my guess is they tested an audience that went, Ooh, and then did something and it made it so it couldn't be a masterpiece. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Also, uh, this is his second Oscar nom. And ooh, like, listen, we're in a deservedly. Okay. We'll get into it in some movie. There's the moment where you're like, yeah, he needs he needs an Oscar for this movie. But here's the thing, we're getting to that tricky spot. Because so 2002, he's nominated for his first Oscar for Ali. Deservedly so, 100%. 2007, he's nominated for Pursuit of Happiness. Guess what his next Oscar nomination is? Is it King Richard? It was. So he goes from 2002, 2007. He doesn't get another Oscar nom until 2022. And he fucks it 
up because not only does he get nominated, but he wins. So it's like we're on number two. And let me tell you, third time was the charm and the fucking curse. Dang, Force Whitaker took the win that year for Oscar for acting. For what movie? For The Last King of Scotland. That's a good movie. He was up against Ryan Gosling, Half Half Nelson, Leonardo DiCaprio, Blood Diamond. I don't even know why Leo's in there. Blood Diamond's not. He shouldn't be in this. Oh, with that accent. Oh, Leo. A guy asked me on a date and we picked up Chinese food and he brought me back to his dorm room and put on Blood Diamond. Oh, Oh, weird. (laughs) Okay, but that guy kind of like works in Hollywood now. So it was uh, Toby McGuire. <laughs> he was at the Emmys. I think the daytime Emmys, at least. Holy shit. Or well, like, you know, like the creative Emmys. It was Oprah. All right. I dry humped his leg. So I. Whoa. I was you did sort what? Of at the Emmys. You, dra- you drowned his leg? Dry humped. His leg. Dry oh. Humped. What All are right. you, uh, uh, Schnauzer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just a little weirdo. I don't know. <laughs> Pursuit of happiness. Let's get into the plot in this bad boy. So, yeah, it's a true story um, from about a guy named Chris Gardner. And the the story is this is the movie one. Obviously, there's like some stuff that they tweaked that are you looking for a straw? There's some stuff that they they tweaked on it that, you know, because real life isn't movies and movies isn't real life. And, you know, that's something we should talk about the things they tweaked because I think it made for a lesser movie. Honestly, um, I, I'm just going to say it. No movie out there that says based on true story, inspired by true story, almost to the true story is ever fucking exact. And you're crazy if you think you make a movie. that. Dude, like, uh, let me give you an example of that. Let me give you an example of that I actually they're like. Uh, so me and Shane from the Gentleman's Club and Shane's friend, Justin, from the inner loop blog, conspiracy theory blog. We did a show last night for the Fringe Festival where all three of us went through Eastman Kodak, George Eastman conspiracy theories. Yeah. Okay. And we went into it being, you know, as like, this is a comedy thing, right? And actually, if you're interested in it next Wednesday, we're doing the exact same show over again at Selena's. If you want to just check out the fringe festival website, if you're in Rochester and want to see that. Okay. Either way, we did it going into it being like us ourselves. We are going at this in a comedy route. So the truth is malleable and doesn't matter that much. But what we did realize is there was a bunch of old ass motherfuckers that would go to this and are not comedy fans. They're George Eastman fans. Wait, hold on. Right. (laughs) There are people that are interested in George Eastman and they looked at it. The fringe show of a George Eastman conspiracy theory podcast performance put on by the interlude blog and went, I'm interested in George Eastman. I'd like to see that. There are a lot of well, this motherfucker, Mark Myra was talking about <laughs> how Eastman Kodak covered up um, uh, alien autopsies. Okay. <laughs> see, Is that yeah, true? It, well, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> and I, there is people that have said that about them. So, but, but to that point, I just want to bring that where it's like, yeah, like movies have to change things. And it's like why I would be scared to death to even do like a World War II movie. Because mm. it's like, yeah, not everything's going to. How can you possibly know? Yeah. Oh, this shirt's wrong. 
this person's name is is incorrect. Dude, these people, there's a couple of people that were just like after the show tore us apart. Tore us up. We we got um we got it reviewed by uh City Magazine. I've read that. I've read the review. Yeah, he would he I here's the thing. I no 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 he he wasn't he was a bit it was more of an explanation of the show, which to me is like I rather have somebody that's making a review on something from City Magazine that's actually telling me how the fuck they feel about it. He gave a little bit of his opinion. I forget the, the guy's name, but it's like you don't have to like blow Fringe Festival. You know what I mean? Like this dude was like he, he was like an older dude anyways. Like this show was not for him. This was not a dude that's just like, oh yeah, the gentleman's club, Mark and Shane. Love those guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is a dude that this is probably not in his wheelhouse. Fucking let us know. Tear into us a little bit. Don't like pussyfoot around and just like, you know. That's the problem with City Magazine, though. Is it? I don't I didn't know you were do so much about City. I don't know. Like fucking be a reviewer, review that shit, son. I I okay, I know there were this such a tangent, but I respect City Magazine because WXXI bought them. Same with the little, same with just having their own public access. And their reporters will like do articles that criticize WXXI, even though that's their parent company that like is the yeah, reason yeah, they- why they even have a magazine. Because there's like a union that's forming like at WXXI, but all this other stuff and people don't want it, and other people want it and uh, City Magazine was very critical of WXXI during that time. And it's like, that's the people who are funding you to be critical of us. I, I just know. wanted my my reviewer daddy at City Magazine to give me a, a little bit of a spanking. You know what I mean? I wanted a little bit of the abuse. I didn't feel like it was a true review. I, mean, I think the I review was... you your shit sucks. You don't, you don't seem happy yeah, about not, it. You don't write for City. <laughs> I think, but he was also trying to be a little funny, right? Because he kept saying allegedly in the... Well, because we kept on saying allegedly because we started realizing slowly we're like, oh shit, like people from literally... The George Eastman Museum could be here <laughs> watching this, and we're saying just bullshit. We're saying insane stuff. So we kept going, uh, allegedly. But yeah, you should watch it. You should come next week, guys. Selena's get a taco and let's to talk about George Eastman. Could people eat tacos while they're watching yeah. you? It's, 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 yeah, it's, Selena's owns the room that we were in. Did you guys record it? So will it be a podcast? It like, will be uh, on the Interloop blog podcast, but I think on the their Patreon. Oh, because it's the conspiracy theory one. Mm. You could also just come see it live. You know, I between. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the listener. I don't want between you guys and YouTube Premium. I'm choosing YouTube Premium. I can't pay for Patreon. All right, even the same price. Either way, all right. So, Pursuit of Happiness. It's about a guy named Chris Gardner. It's in the 80s. This is the Reagan era. It's all about fucking Wall Street, baby. You know, making some money, but also killing that debt. And Chris Gardner got himself in a situation where he bought a bunch of um, x-ray machines that aren't it's it's not like a product that seems very necessary. It's just like it gives you a denser look of an x-ray for things like with your bones and osteoporosis and stuff. Right. And he his thing, though, is that he bought into these or let's say he bought a 100 of these at, you know, two hundred dollars a pop. And now he's got them and he's just literally got to go and sell them. And that's his money, right? He's, he's got to sell two or three a month and that's his money. They're struggling. Um, he's got his son, Chris Gardner Jr., who's played by 
uh, Will Smith's son, Jaden, and then also his wife, who's Mission Impossible chick, Westworld lady. I forget her name. And she's not happy. She's sick of being poor as shit. She wants to fucking duck out of there, right? And she does. And she's like moves to New York City and and uh, and leaves her son and everything. She's not like a great lady or anything. Um, Chris Gardner, at the same time, while all this is happening, he's like, you know, he's trying to get out of his situation. And he um, he goes to a not a stockbroker, but like an invest- the guy in a nice car and goes, what do you do? Yeah, but what's the job, though? It's like mutual funds and shit. It's like uh, a broker. Stockbroker. Stock okay. He like broker stocks for people's retirements. Yeah. Stockbroker meets him just like, what, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a stockbroker or whatever. And he goes to the he sees that the, they have like an internship program. And the internship program is where they take 20 candidates. You work there for free for X amount of time. And then maybe one of them will get picked maybe to get a job at that place. But also on top of that, you can't use the internship on a resume that was said at some point. It's basically very high stakes, high stakes and possibly very low reward of actually getting a job. So he's in this situation. But at the same time, he's still got to take care of his son. His wife left him. He's got to still sell these stupid fucking x-ray machines. Um, And so all of that is just like happening and just, you know, it's balancing all of this shit while also trying to become a stockbroker. And they lose their apartment at some point. They're sleeping in fucking homeless shelters. They're sleeping in toilets. And this is uh, Chris Gardner and Chris Gardner Jr. So Will Smith and, and Jaden Smith. And so he's just trying to balance all this, but he's working hard. He keeps doing it, keeps pursuing his dream, keeps pursuing the goal. The dream's a little weird because it's not like he loves being a stockbroker. It's like the dream is money. Is, Dude, right? The dream <laughs> like really resonate where it's just like, I don't fucking care how. I would just like to not live in debt and just it's, like have enough money to not worry. And I've never felt a more pure dream in my life so he's he that's the dream for him is to go after that and but like it's very hard because he's like not only is he balancing the kid he's balancing two jobs and just having no money like there's points where it's like he's got 20 dollars in his bank account type of shit and like you know everything basically like he's kicked around kicked around the entire movie and then it ends with him being offered the job as a stockbroker at this company that he interned and so he gets the he gets the position and that's that's kind of how the movie ends. And then it gives you like the, you know, the, the, the blurb at the end where it's like he he made his own stockbroking company. He became a multimillionaire, wrote a book of, you know, he did a, he did and, and he made a movie and, the, you know, and the, the end. Right. I do hate that a little bit. I did hate the end a little bit because. I know this is like a real story. Also, guess what, people? Sometimes hard work means absolutely nothing. Like, sometimes you're going to work fucking hard, and you know what? You're not going to get picked for the job, and you're not going to get out of that mountain of debt, and you're not going to become a multimillionaire. And it's just like, why are you selling me this fucking false dream, man? Yeah, so I feel like the, the message on this movie, Pursuit of Happiness was a pretty rough mess. Okay, Eric, I, I, we, I know you said you had two nitpicks, right? 
Yeah. I only got one nitpick that would make this movie a masterpiece. Do you care if I do my nitpick first? Because you'll always have a backup if we got the same one. Yeah, yeah, you go first. You go All first. right. And <clears throat> to the messaging on this, I feel like this movie is and not, I'm not saying that it's bad because of this. This movie is such a cynical movie, right? It's such a it's it's such a harsh, intense message because all throughout this whole thing, like this dude is on his own financially, right? Like he's poor as shit. He's taking care of his kid. At some point, they have to sleep in a bathroom. At some point, the government is docking money out of his account, right? Because he he owes taxes. He made one bad decision early on in his life where he took on this mountain of debt that's represented by these stupid x-ray machines that he literally has to lug around because it's weighing him down, right? Mm-hmm. And people see this shit and they're still shitting on him, right? Even when he gets the internship, there's that dude in the internship that is making his life harder where it's like, go get me a coffee, right? Yeah, Yeah, you have to leave. Right. Move my car. It's just like every step of the way he's getting shit on. Somebody hits him with a fucking car. (laughs) Why? Like, why? There's no handout in this, right? It's basically you're on your own. The job that you want, they're going to be working against you. Your family they're going to be working against you. In fact, the thing that you want because your family is upset and your wife is upset and you guys are in a bad position, the thing that you want that you're reaching for, it's going to destroy your family. It's going to, your kid's going to have lifelong trauma of sleeping next to a fucking shitter, right? There's that scene where his kid uh, uh, drops the toy and it's like, well, fuck it, kid. Sorry, you got to leave your toy behind. You can't be like that other family eating pizza. You got to eat you know, half a slice with me because we're poor as shit. And that's going to ruin your brain forever because you're going to be poor as shit. And that's what, and the messaging on this is just like, life's going to kick you when you're down. People are going to take advantage of you. Life fucking sucks. And even when you make it, you've lost everything by the time that you have made it. And I, and that's what I think the message of this movie is. But the only thing that makes it sound, the only thing that makes it like where it's like a feel good movie is the music the music throughout this movie is like some forrest gump bullshit it was it's weird it's very like happy like we're just on a fun adventure type of music throughout the whole thing and that's why i think they showed this movie to a um to like an audience the audience was like man this is depressing as shit this is like a kind of an intense movie and i think if it was if they took all the music out and just had a movie without music and so uh, they just had a movie without me. <laughs> sorry. What are you doing? <laughs> they, just, they, they just had a movie without music. Yeah, I think this would be a way better movie. And they had like that cynical. They had like that cynical messaging to it. I, it, I think that this would have been like a masterpiece because I think the message is cynical, but the music for some reason makes it like trying to make it feel good. You know what the music reminded me of? It was the first thing I wrote in my notes was corny start music. Sounds like a rom-com. I feel like um the narration, because he's like, I call this part of my life getting the shit beat out of me. I call this part of my the life internship. running. Honestly, it read more like Hitch than like a Muhammad Ali, which I think was a more serious movie along these lines. 
but I'm with you. The music really stood out to me. The music and his stupid narrations were much more like a rom-com full house feel. And I, I'm with you. I didn't think they matched up. So that's what I think kept it from being a masterpiece. Cause I'd like the cynical message. Uh, you hit one of my nitpicks right on the fucking head. You get rid of the music in this movie. It's a bona fide masterpiece. It's in the same league as the graduate and other great dramas that we've grown up with that just stay within, uh, the pantheon of great films. The music is an energy vampire whatever the fuck it is, but it's like something you hear in a doctor's waiting room, you know, um, Zach. Yeah, it's like Muzak. Mm. So it is fucking terrible. And it was just so obnoxious. And it takes away how good the movie's doing so good on its own. The movie, the music is literally taking away from how good the movie is because it's shot beautifully, it's acted beautifully. The story and the script are very well done. And you're right. It's just kind of this like sitcom y horseshit music. And it was like such a small change to be like, Get rid of this shit. Will Smith is too strong of an actor that it's now taking away from his performance. When he gets the job at the end and he's in the sea of people like crying, like he's he's amongst the masses, but he's also yeah. having his moment alone. And the music is like Forrest Gump, like do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Get rid of this because the moment he's crushing it. The moment, how it's shot, it's crushing it. And it's just, it's an energy band-aid. It's something I can see someone being like, oh, you just put something to get the scenes, to carry the scenes from scene to scene. And it's like, no, it's making me confused to what I'm supposed to be feeling. Mm. Um, and and I, yeah, I think that is like a test screening, something just like, let's just put it in. And so many movies have this kind of like, Probably. forgettable horseshit soundtrack they just kind of put in the background like it's such a lazy move for how strong everything else is in the movie which Liliari brought it up this leads me into my second nitpick that takes away from being a bona fide masterpiece you change two of these things it's a masterpiece so it's the music and it's the narration mm-hmm. get rid of the fucking narration because the narration's literally i wrote it down the narration it's kind of being whimsical and cutesy, right? Mm-hmm. Again, they're probably trying to soften the blow of who Chris Garner is. And I give it so much props for like, even if it's not truly who his character is and there's more to his life, like, fuck that. I don't care like what the real story is. In the movie, what I liked is that Will Smith's character, Chris, isn't pitch perfect. Like, oh, shucks, it's just the world beating him down. Like when he gets angry, he'll fight someone like in front of his son. Like he'll cut a woman in line trying to get onto like the bus. And like when a man's like, hey, you just cut that woman. He'll be like, yo, you want to fucking go? Like (laughs) I'll fucking beat the shit out of you. That was an intent. Yeah. And it's like, I like those qualities about him because yeah, his life is fucking hard. So he is going to be like fed up with people's bullshit sometimes. And he does have these ugly uh, like characteristics. But you're still rooting for him. So the narration comes in, I think, to soften him, make him seem more whimsical. And dude, the narration, I wrote it down right here. There's literally literally a line. He's having a job interview and the guy tells him, like, there's no salary in the internship. And then we cut to the narration. Will Smith's character says, there's no salary in this internship. I'm like, yeah, that dude just said it. Why are you saying it again? 
We're not fucking dumb. And I think that's the thing. Those two things, the music and the narration, dumb it down to a movie that's for like the fat masses, like the people just shoving yeah. fucking popcorn in their mouths. And it's like, no, get rid of those two things. We're, we're intelligent people. This movie would have got all the Oscars. <laughs> like it just would have been like it. But it's like those two things are so studio mandated, like blockbuster bullshit. I think what's hard is I think the really nasty parts in this movie, like, you know, there's just like a lot of points where like, he's just dragging his kid. He's drop. He doesn't give a fuck about that toy. He is just angry. Are so fucking relatable. Like as a parent, when you're on the ropes and you have just like such a terrible anxiety and you're anxious and you're overwhelmed you feel like, oh, because you're feeling those things, you're going to be really like nice to your kid because you're like want to shelter them. Dude, it's the opposite. You do. You get mean and you get angry because you don't want to show them like how nervous or anxious you are. So it just comes out angry. And it's like those moments, while it doesn't make him likable, it made him so violently relatable to me that when they then almost try and backpedal it and be like, I call this part of my life bad decisions. It's just like, that's not, that's not relatable. I don't sit around in my life and be like, these are the chapters. And I'm sure it was like some shit where he wanted it to coincide with his autobiography. Oh, like I bet you these were some of the names of the chapters. Oh, good call. Good. Right. I bet you it was some of the chapters, but you know what? That shit works in books. And, you know, I think that's why in a lot of cinema, when movies are based on books, sometimes you'll look at the book and it's so different than movies because there are a lot of conventions that work really fantastic in books and they do not translate over into movies. And I think this weird title card narration. Yeah. If you're in a rom-com fucking go for it. Cause rom-coms are a little bit more on the fantasy side, but if you're doing something like this, where it's a drama, you're undercutting all of your emotional beats. And it, it fucking like the, the, uh, the music. And I, I don't think the music, the happy music was playing in this part, but it was definitely playing directly after because that music was unrelenting. It <laughs> oh, was it did not. It's just like, <laughs> so like, there's one of the most <laughs> scary. Like, I, I know this is like, <laughs> this is like parrot talk here, but like one of the most brutal scenes is fucking, He's lost everything. They lost the apartment. They 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 can't go into the homeless shelter, which is like scary as shit. Oh, you got yeah, yeah, your young kid with you, and then they go into a subway bathroom, lock that up, and that's where they're gonna fucking sleep. Just you could like, and he's crying, and oh. it's just like he's next to a fucking piss filled toilet. The door. That's like a horror movie, uh-huh. and so that's the fucked up about that too and they did such a good job immediately before that scene showing like we're in a serious situation but like look what a good person he is because like right before they're in the bathroom how they get to the bathroom is like you know the dad's not been great all day but then like it kind of clicks for a minute where he's just like fuck 
this is all awful. So he starts to play pretend with his son. Mm. And honestly, it is like such an emotional beat in that movie where I will say I didn't love when Jada was in Ali. I think it took me out. I think Jaden being his genuine son added to this movie. Oh, little Jaden was great. Jaden should have won. He should have won the other Oscar, the supporting Oscar. Chippen Will Smith won the Oscar. Jaden was the supporting Oscar. Like, but I think what worked was I don't think Jaden had to act a lot. I think there were so many good scenes, like that scene where they're pretending that they went back in time and they see dinosaurs. Like that really was like a parent scene where like that chemistry was so. That's literally how you would act with your child, and then it's like, okay, let's like run into safety. Oh, we're in a cave. Like we're making this fun. And then the kid goes to sleep and you fucking lose it. Cause it's like, it's all so depressing. And it's like you like this movie is capable of showing the heavy parts, but then lightening it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they did great in the interview when he comes after getting arrested and he's looks like fucking hell. And the guy's like, what would you say to us? If we hired a guy who walked in without any shirt on and he's like, I'd say, well, he must have had some really nice pants on. And it's so funny. And it's like, and I didn't need stupid fucking music to give me that upswing in the movie. Like the script and the acting were all capable of providing a necessary upswing and a necessary break from the heaviness that I don't know why you would underscore that. They're being like, audiences won't know that they can breathe for a second unless we put like <laughs> a cute little uh, piano in uh, there. Can I also mention so the, the scene with the bathroom, though? Like it's terrifying on both ends. Can you because can you imagine being in a subway and you need to take a shit and they're <laughs> And nobody's like wow. occupied. Like you're just like, oh my god, I need to get in here. <laughs> like so, I feel bad for the guy that was pounded. He was pounded pretty hard. I wonder if the music and the narration thing too. Again, art and films. Like I don't want to put a blanket statement. Like this only works when you do it this way or whatever. But Scorsese does voiceover, and it's fucking brilliant in his movies. Like Goodfellas and Casino and The Irishman. Even departed, there's like some voiceover. It's always so fucking good. But voiceover kind of has a heightened atmospheric quality to it. So if your movie's kind of heightened, like a Scorsese film, it adds to the whole ambience of what's going on. With this, this movie's so raw and about real things, a real story. When you have whimsy music and whimsy heightened voiceover, that's very like, this part of my life is this that it's too much in conflict with the visuals and Lily, you keep saying it. I think the visuals in here are so impressive how the camera and the acting relates. You are being told the story exactly how it's like happening. Like everything's happening and you understand it. So when they underscore it with a narration, that's like, man, I didn't get that job interview or shit. I just missed the train. And it's like, yeah, we see that's happening. We so you guys are so good at showing us that to then reiterate what we just saw makes me feel like a dumbass. Like you're, it's like sad for the director where it's like my guy, you did it. Like you are literally conveying so accurately 
the intensity, the um, depression, the anxiety, the small triumphs of a situation. Why are you undercutting yourself? I bet by being like, I don't think they the, understand. I, yeah, they must have. And like, because Will is so good in this, he's conveying so much. So much he's doing is not said. And so for them to say it, oh, man. Okay, let's get into yeah. it. Because let's talk about like Will Smith conveying shit. So we were talking about Fanny Newton. And Mark was saying how she had like a terrible accent. I feel like there was a lot of acting going on a lot of not said things going on that like it made me look at it differently because like she straight up is just like they're breaking up she's sick of his shit and like she acted it so well because i was there with her she's working double he's not selling these goddamn pyramid machines and she's fucking pyramid machines yeah it's a pyramid scheme oh okay you know what I mean? And you feel it for her. You're like, fuck yeah. You're like, you get it when she wants to leave. But then it's like, she wants the kid. But he's, when they argue about that, I know there's what the script said, but I'm going to hand it to Will Smith. I don't know if it was intentional. I feel like he was saying something else without saying anything because he was just like, you know, you can't take care of him. And like, you're like, on the surface, she's like, oh, okay. But like she really does like leave her kid and then she's kind of acting weird. Now she's like, are they trying to imply without saying it that like she's like a drug I, addict or she has like abuse issues? And like literally there is nothing in this movie to suggest it. But just the way Will acted those scenes about like, no, I will have my motherfucking son. You will not take him. You know, you can't handle having him. That like I feel like he acted it so well that my brain was like putting together the story that the movie didn't have time to give me about like why he would be so adamant about keeping his son or why the mom would so easily leave her son that I think Will Smith acted it so well that my brain was just like oh shit there's more to that story even if the story really didn't have more yeah I mean I mean that that was kind of me that they did that too that real life woman, because I think one of the things I saw that was different in the in real life or in the book than in the movie was that she was around more. It was more of an on again, on again, off again relationship. And they said they were just like, hey, this bitch just fucking left. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are very like they had multiple children together. The son was an infant when all of this happened and not like a grown child who could retain any of this, which like that's less sad that it was an infant who was unaware. Guess what, bitches? That internship, one, they would accept anyone who passed the exam. Two, he got a fucking stipend. He was not doing an internship where he was making no goddamn money. He got a stipend, but I can. And I was disappointed. But you know what? I can understand why you wouldn't leave that in for the movie, because it really takes all of the pressure off the situation. I used to work for 94.1 The Zone, which I thought had the most illegal internship program I've ever seen in my entire life. This internship program. Yeah. 
beat that one where it's just like, there's 20 of you. None of you getting paid. You're talking to million dollar clients. You're going to be bringing it for us. Maybe we'll give you a job. Go fuck yourself, asshole. Maybe we won't give you a job anyways. Go fuck yourself. And it's like, this is not how internships work. You have to learn something in an internship. I feel like that's I think it adds to my problem with these types of stories. The if you work hard enough, if you want something enough, like you can go. I like wrote it down here somewhere because I wrote like, I hate. I hate this. Oh, if you want something, go get it. Like, I don't like that kind of stuff because there are people who would go just see the movie and be like, oh, my God, all those odds. All that debt, he wasn't getting a cent, like an unpaid internship, like, damn, but he still made it. He became a millionaire. They wouldn't look to the real life things where it's like, listen, did he have cards stacked against him? Fuck yeah. But there was a stipend. All you had to do was pass the exam and you were going to be hired. You know what I mean? So I I think sometimes that's my problem with these kind of stories is that I understand to make it an interesting movie, you do have to make the stakes brutal. Because if you don't, like, you take away a lot of the pressure, but then you're, like, also trying to sell this idea that, like, if you just fucking work hard enough, if you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps enough, you're going to make it when like in reality, like that's not fucking true. There's like, there's a systematic problem with poverty. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think the movie, as much as I did hate, I, I hated more the message that maybe I was contriving in my head where just like, I kind of hope the movie was going to, as corny as this sounds, was going to be like, oh, this thing he's chasing money and like the stability of like, like, that's not what it's important. Mm. It's like at the end of the day, it's about his son and like the bond that they have or whatever. It's not about getting the money. And the movie quickly like brushes it aside because at the end, it's just a quick title card. Like he got multi-million dollars and this, this, blah, 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 and like get it off, get off the screen. It's more about him getting the job. So um, yeah, about getting money. But I think the movie did a really good job of showing that like, it was a bunch of crusty white people that worked at that building. And like, they're even like pinching him where it's just like, I need this cab. Do you got $5? And it's like his last $5. And he has like, give it to these like oblivious guys. Hey, go get me a coffee. Go get me a donut. Go do this. That they're just completely blissfully unaware of like what his social standing is. And then you see like the lines, the homeless shelter and it's a lot of minorities. And you see like, kind of like that there is this like injustice or whatever. Um, not to bring my personal beliefs into it. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say this. Ah, I get what you're saying. Like you don't want to feed people like this false sale. Was it like false sale bills or whatever? Just to be like, if you just try, like you can do this. Like, yes, I agree. It's like, you can't walk away from this movie being like, look, if you just try, you can become a million, the dollar stockbroker and sell your own firm. Like, yeah, the chances of that are probably slim, but like pursuing something worthwhile and like bettering your life, even if you don't become a fucking millionaire, like positive things will happen to you. That's just like, my this is my beliefs i'm just putting this out there like the nature of the universe like you try hard at something if your goal is to become a millionaire you don't become a millionaire but you do all these things to try to like 
just better yourself and better your surroundings or whatever. And again, I'm talking very broadly. I'm not talking about like the systematic injustices that prevent people from fucking doing shit like that. So I get that. Um, I think there's a positive message to this notion of like, if you don't try to do something like, yes, you will always be like in a cycle of despair. And again, I'm not talking about the system itself i'm just talking about like yeah i get why these like movies feel good because it's like yeah if you pursue something there's the potential that that's the thing i think this shoot for the moon and you'll land on the stars kind of horseshit i think this movie though and that's why i wish they fucking got rid of that music because i think this movie is way more cynical than that whether it meant to be or not because what you're talking about like fuck yeah pursue something worthwhile make if you're into making film make a film if you're into painting fucking pursue that shit you want to make a family you make a family and you make those connections and you have friends or whatever do that shit up but what he's pursuing is it's it is like is not creation of anything like the literally the job he's trying to get is taking rich people's money fucking wolf of wall street style investing that into businesses short selling businesses type of thing to make rich people more money he's not creating anything but wealth for himself and the super wealthy anyways it's not like oh i'm doing all this because i'm gonna make the 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 next like amazing like uh jazz album or some shit that's going to you know heighten the culture of the united states he's doing it for the pursuit of money and that's it. And he destroys relationships in his life. He fucks over his son for like X amount of months or years and and is living in poverty type of thing. And I think I, and I'm not saying that's a bad message. Fucking embrace that shit. He should like, oh, yeah, you won the job. You, you had the pursuit of happiness. Did you fucking get it type oh, of thing? See, I feel like I want to be more cynical. I don't about it. like can do movies. But I think what I appreciate this movie is like, I feel like to me, that was like what was super relatable. Like he this isn't fucking La La Land. He doesn't want to become a jazz singer. He doesn't Mm. want to dance in the street with fucking Emma Stone. He doesn't want to live in just like fucking object poverty. He wants to like not be three months behind on fucking rent. He wants to send his son to a daycare where he's not watching Bonanza and Love Boat. It's a great daycare. Legitimately (laughs) know how to spell the word happiness correctly. Like to me, like again, I don't like just work hard movies, but like I fuck with that. You know what the pursuit of happiness is? It's to not live in fucking debt and poverty. Like, who gives a fuck if you can make the nicest painting in the world if, like, your child can't fucking eat at night? Like, to me, I feel like this is one of the more honest movies about, like, guess what, motherfuckers? Money can buy happiness. This isn't Wolf of Wall Street where, like, oh, I made a bunch of money, but I'm still miserable. No, it's like... I made a bunch of money and now I can be a better father because I can actually spend time with my child. And like, if he drops a toy, it's not the end of the world. Cause I can go to the store and buy him a fucking new one. And like, to me, that was the best part of the movie. Cause I just found it so fucking relatable where it's just like, so guess what? 
money really genuinely can fucking buy you happiness. And you don't have to have a job that you find fulfilling because who gives a shit? Like if you can feel like I have enough money in the bank account that I can be comfortable, that is fucking fulfilling. And I know I, here's the thing. I agree with you. And that's why I think this movie should have leaned. Again, I think it's just a fucking movie music because I do think they leaned into it because it's like exactly what you're saying. Like this dude has to pursue like he's not pursuing happiness. He's pursuing like my basic needs. Mm. I want enough money so I can just fucking live. You know who's stopping him? His landlord, the government, his wife at points, the people that are giving him a job are fucking stopping him. Random people on the street are running him over and shit like just to get he's stopping himself a lot. Just to get your basic needs fulfilled. And everybody in it's it's like a fucking nightmare obstacle course just to live like Lily saying just to be like, I'm not behind four months on rent type of thing. And that's why it's like this is a cynical movie and it should have gotten rid of that fucking music so we could have felt it harder. You know, you know what, Mark? And I'll agree. I'll bring it all back around with both of you uh, jumping off your back. Uh the you're right the movie's actually just showing it as it is and it's not leaning one way or another and it allows us three to actually have this conversation mm-hmm. right to be like oh no the movie is cynical oh no the movie is positive in this because i don't think the movie tells you you can take exactly that from it. and that's what good movies do where it's like we're not gonna tell you the point if you watch it and you realize how fucked up our system is the movie did a fucking good job. Or you watch and go like, oh, that's the American dream. It can all work out in the end. The movie did its job because you're kind of taking those things. And I don't think the movie's heavy handed. You know what's so funny? I'm reading the Wikipedia and Chris Garner like went on to be a philanthropist and like raised like 50 million for some like program to like get low income housing in San Francisco and get homeless people jobs and did all that's that right. stuff. They and used the movie- actual homeless people on this movie and paid them and gave them like free catering and shit. Yeah, so it's like he did that. And I wonder if at the end, maybe it'd be too many title cards or maybe it'd be too like sappy to like push that. But it's just like, yeah, at the end of the day, like he became multimillionaire, whatever, whatever. And that's almost like the frosting on top. You're right. He met his basic needs. And then he was the one in a million that maybe just figured out how to sell his own law firm or whatever. Mm -hmm. Say Chris Gardner never sold his own law firm and just was a stockbroker for the rest of his life. He still reached his goal of just like basic needs and like getting his son into a house or whatever. But I wonder if they could have mentioned that stuff of just like, by the way, he gave back to like the shelter and all these things, but maybe that's just too much bullshit where it's just like the point of the movie is like maybe they didn't even fucking need title cards at the end saying where he I, I don't think they did, to be honest with you. I just, thought it just was ended like, with him and his son. Like, yeah, like I thought that was enough. Personally, I'm with you. I don't think the title cards were the title cards to me very much went with like the narration where you're like, I just don't need this shit. Like I can like you did a good enough job of showing me that it's a fucking happy ending. Yeah. And it's awesome because it doesn't show him being like, oh, he got the Ferrari or he got this thing or he got that thing. It's like, no, it just shows him like crying because he's just relieved that he'll probably get a paycheck starting next week. Like, oh, my God, Let, let's fucking talk about it, because I know like in the trailers and shit, the big scene is him in the bathroom crying. Yeah. And listen, that is that is a phenomenal scene. I think that's like really 
superb acting. Honestly, I think throughout this whole movie, Will Smith does just a lot of tremendous acting. And again, I don't typically like when like people's families are in movies together, but I really think some of the acting, I don't know if he would have given as hard of it if it wasn't his own son. Like he literally screamed shut up at one point to the kid multiple times. And it's just like, I don't know, would you act as harshly with like a child actor if you're mm. someone other than Elizabeth Olsen, um, if it wasn't your own kid. So I think like it probably helped him feel a little bit freer acting. Was, was that a WandaVision reference? Like, what was that? Uh, that was a Multiverse of Madness reference because oh, she fucking screams at those child actors okay. at one point because she legit got mad at them because they threw a toy at her face. And it's like, I would never scream at someone else's kid like that. Anyways, it was wild. Um, so I think it real. I think it lended himself to being out for will to give a better performance. Bathroom scenes. Great. Holy fucking shit. The end of that movie, they set you up like the, the guy Homer Simpson. Yeah. Who gives him the shout job. Out. Oh, that's Homer Simpson. That's Homer Simpson. Yeah. Part. They did a very subtle shout out where he like gets a donut at one point. Okay. Yeah, not not the old guy who gives. No, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who's like, yeah, move my car, get me a donut, give me yeah. coffee. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so they're in the thing, and like Homer Simpson's been an asshole to him. So you're like, kind of like, oh, I don't know. He's like, he's kind of rooting against him. The guy he originally met, who got in the interview, he like sees to him. He's just like, whatever happened, like you did a fantastic job. Take care of yourself. And I wrote my notes. I was like. He did not get the job. Like they're gonna take that hard fucking turn, and I would have been here for it. But then he gets it. They sit him down, and they're just like, "Ah, oh, can you do us a favor? Wear another shirt tomorrow, because baby, you got the job." Holy fuck! Like I'm getting like a little flaclem thinking about it, but his face, like he. That like you're not trying to lose it in front of everybody. You're just trying to be mm-hmm. professional and shake everyone's hands, but it's like pouring down his face. Oh, and like I mean, obviously, then he goes outside and he's in the crowd and the sun's on his face and he's sobbing. That right there to me, I was like, that's the Oscar. Like yeah. you know, whole movie he's he's acted the living fuck out of this movie, but that those moments where he's saying nothing. I thought were so tremendously powerful because you physically felt it. You felt he wasn't crying because he was proud of himself. He wasn't crying because he was excited. You like physically watched Will Smith, like lift weights off his body of just like, I don't have to live in debt anymore. I don't have to worry about where my son's going to sleep tonight. I don't have to run to make it to the homeless shelter. I don't have to give my son a bath in the fucking sink. Like, he wants a candy bar. We're going to get a candy bar. Like we're going to be that family at the diner. who's just like laughing and having a good time. And like he acted the living fuck out of that scene where you genuinely felt the weight of the world come off a person. And it like, to me right there, I was like, that is, I think it is Will Smith's best acting to date in where we are in wild wild will was that finale scene. It was, Superb. Um, but I think my favorite part, I think, I, and I mentioned this before, I've never seen a movie 
not that there's a ton of movies about this. I've never seen a movie be able to like um, show visually like how debt feels so perfectly with those stupid x-ray machines where he's just like lugging this around and it's like it's the he, he has to deal with it all the time and it's stopping him from doing his day-to-day life and it's just like man, that was like a because that never happened in the in this real story for chris Gardner. he didn't have these stupid x-ray machines he was selling. oh he didn't he was a, he was a medical salesperson but he wasn't lugging around medical machines. So he didn't he wasn't in a pyramid scheme originally. He like, was a medical salesperson. Oh, but it wasn't like he put up his own money to buy Not, stuff to sell. I think it was a choice in the movie. Uh, oh, no, like, they say they say he put his life savings to buy. Oh, but but he didn't have stuff. to literally carry these things around. Oh. Like in oh, this movie, yeah, 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 yeah. like a person, yeah. not a personification, but it just it shows the like, the, the, yeah, the yeah. metaphor for the debt. And it was like, damn, this is like. Th- th- like, that's like a really good way to show that, you know? Yeah, he's like literally always logging, always logging. I mean, that shit was tough to be like, again, I can understand why 2006 Lily thought this shit was so boring because 2006 Lily had no idea what it was to like live in debt. 2006 Lily didn't know what it was to have like credit card debt because like that's the thing about debt. Like, so he put his life savings into a pyramid scheme, which be the way if you're like a fucking female in 2022, you, we all know someone who's done that. Like, they're like put money up front by like Lulu Row or some bullshit or beach body bullshit. And then they're trying to peddle it on everybody. And it debt begets debt. Like you put your life savings into a pyramid scheme and you're like, oh fuck. Cause you now you need to make it work because now you have less money. And the longer it doesn't work, all of a sudden it's like, okay, we'll have to put that on a credit card. Okay, we'll have to put that on a credit card. Okay, that credit card is fucking full. I guess I'm just not paying that. And like, I'm with you. This movie, I think, did a superb job of just showing that awful snowball effect about debt and that how even when you finally get ahead, you, you sell one. It doesn't matter because Another now the government taking the money out of your fucking paycheck where it's like even when you finally get ahead and you can breathe for a minute because you have so much debt. It doesn't matter because things like past that will come back and be like, oh, you got extra money. I'll be taking that. I'm with you. I feel like that's why I found the movie so relatable and riveting and it's why 2006 lily couldn't because i hadn't lived enough yet all right so with this movie uh with our night cruising podcast remember like we did the finale episode where we just kind of did a whole recap and i think we all picked like our top tom cruise movie yeah. right yeah and i think like i kind of surprised myself a little bit because there's like a lot of good tom cruise movies and there's like you know all there's mission impossible and shit and i was like my number one was, uh, I think it ended up being Jerry Maguire. Yeah. I was like, oh, I could definitely watch it again. I don't, this might, this might end up being like a sleeper pick at the end of the Wild Wild Will podcast where I'm like, mm, pursuit of happiness. Mine might come back to this one. I could see that. Which piggybacking off of what Lily was saying too, when this movie originally came out, I had no interest, but totally makes sense that like, 18 year olds and 17 year olds or if you're in your early 20s 
yeah, this movie's not really for you at that moment at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of with Mark. This might be a sleeper towards the end. And when it all, I, I this fuck Will Smith was so incredible. And it's between this and Ali, I think in a weird way, this was a showier. When I say showier, not in a mm. bad way, but there were so many layers to this character, how resilient he was, but also how vulnerable he could be. Will Smith totally like disappeared in a good way into this role. And they didn't even do too much with him. Like maybe made him a little bit gray in the hair and gave him a mustache. But beyond that, like that was all him just acting his ass off. Yeah. Now. uh, Yeah. I mean, this movie really tapped into like old people brain coming up next. We're going to tap. No. Oh, come on. All right. Never mind. No. No, there is something very weird in this movie that we have to discuss, Mark Myra. How good Jaden was? Oh, yeah, it is, a, it is about Jaden. Oh, okay. Um, this is Will Kids, Will Smith's kid, correct? Jaden is his son. Why the living fuck did he not have just one, but he allowed two? motherfucking scenes of his young child in fucking underwear this movie is going out to millions billions of people to watch in what (laughs) world is a decent father being like yeah you know what director i don't want one but let's have two motherfucking scenes of my kid just in his fucking under home alone fucking pedo wait wait, oh, wait wait oh that's the angle i thought your angle was going like when Jaden's an adult like dad where the fuck am i in my own yeah a hundred percent like listen it's, it's like an embarrassing thing listen you, no it's also that? a pervert thing this is no, hollywood no, oh did no, brian no, singer no. direct this goddamn movie huh no. lily 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 you're in the wrong here you, you are in you a are weird in the- industry that does what? weird shit to children. Wait, are you who are you talking to Eric directly? No, no, no. <laughs> like, I'm saying like Will Smith. You're in a weird industry that does weird shit to children. The thing that I would be very, very protective over would definitely be like, yeah, you're not gonna be on a movie set as a small child. In your goddamn underpants with crew around, with perverts around, with the general population being perverts watching all those, you. All those hobos. It's fucking, it's oh, just no. so bizarro <laughs> to me. It's just so like you are the dad and the star. I'd be like, listen, he's in jammies for this scene. He's in a bathrobe for this scene. Like, I just think, and like, listen, I don't know the Smiths personally, but I, <laughs> I'm up enough on my gossip blogs. And like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to these people who are super rich and don't know me, but you all seem like you turned out pretty fucking weird with honestly a decent amount of problems. And you know what? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying Jaden's problems came from the fact that his dad let him be in underpants in a movie, but I'm just saying if those are the kind of decision-making skills you're making, where the fuck else did you fuck up with that child? What's worse? 
What's worse? Jaden or Will Smith allowing Jaden to be shirtless and soaked up in this movie? Or Jaden's mom, Jada, fucking Jaden's friend. But exactly. Which one's worse? No. I'm just I, saying, I'm not saying I'm saying they're both. Bad. I'm just saying if those are your decision making skills, it's like, yeah, no wonder your kids kind of have fucking issues. No wonder your daughter's going on your show, Red Table Talk, talking about the times that she's wanted to kill herself. It's like you are in you have a very odd line of work already where you have fucking pieces of shit like me sitting in their bed judging your parenting judging how your children turned out so why would you not be more protective and be like hey i'm not gonna put my kids semi-naked in a movie well you know all right but there's stuff you could do about that like uh who's the guy in uh what's his fucking name the nirvana album (laughs) no who's the guy in um the 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 social network Mark Zuckerberg, Jesse yeah. Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg. You, he's got kids yeah. and they fucking live in Indiana and they don't talk to anybody and he hides his family away, Honestly, which is what better. you should probably do yeah. at this point. Because you got people like Lily. Adam Driver is not <laughs> mentioning his fucking children. So many people are not mentioning their children, letting them letting them be like what? Between five and seven and in underwear. In a movie, like I would never, Eric, you wouldn't be creeped out if you went onto my Facebook and I had a picture of Luna in her underwear on it. Um, uh, this whole conversation is so fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get beyond it so fucking quick. <laughs> I'm just saying, it made me. It like I think this is a phenomenal movie. Just for me personally, those took me out of the movie really quick because it really creeped me out. I don't think it inherently makes a difference in this movie. I just felt like there was no way we could talk about this movie and not just bring that up because Will Smith is a celebrity. (laughs) Will Smith's a celebrity. It's his actual son in real life. And then, like, you know, Jaden's now a celebrity in his own right. I'm just saying. It's fucking uh, odd. Can I say? All right, I'm going to put a. Um, I'm going to put a positive spin on shirtless Jaden. Um, he what? No, I repeat. Um, I I never got. I, I like I said. Like I said before, I never watched this movie, but I never got why people liked Will Smith's kids, like or why they gave a fuck about them in any capacity. Oh, but I can see why. Yeah. I can see why people were are rooting for Jaden a little bit if this was their introduction to him. Yeah, he and is I, really good in this movie. And I, I haven't seen it, but I heard he's get good in the the Karate Kid remake with Jackie Chan and Jaden's in it. Like, apparently he's good in that. So, I mean, he was adorable in this movie. Like him telling the knock knock jokes at the end, so cute. Like, or when he's getting upset and like crying, or seeing his dad beat someone up, like yeah, being aggressive. Oh yeah, Jaden's fucking All great. Right. Yeah, no, Jaden is like he's he's very very good in this movie and again i think it helps that they actually are father and son i like legitimately i think again i'm usually against that kind of casting i genuinely think it made for better performances on both their ends. all right back to what i was saying sorry <laughs> sorry i just needed to make eric deeply uncomfortable yeah mama mia on the um, record that you know 
This, before you get to your thing, Mark, yeah, yeah, you want to piggyback too off what you were talking about. He's carrying around his fucking x-ray machine with him and stuff. And that like symbolizes the weight of the world or whatever. You know what I kept thinking during this movie too, and the movie showing it and thank God it's not telling us. I, I thought the narration was going to come in and tell us, but tell me if you guys had this feeling too. Anytime he sacrificed the bigger goal for the smaller petty shit and you go like dude who cares about your fucking x-ray machine let that person steal it you're not going to sell it anyways but now you're going (laughs) to run 30 miles and get hit by a car and jump through a train and like fucking lose your kid somewhere just to get that thing or if he's like um like oh shit the light bulb for it right buy the light bulb for it and like it's his last eight dollars. There's even that scene where he gets like a multi million. He decides to skip a list. He has a list of clients he has to call, and at the top is a CEO. And he decides to skip all the fucking petty clients. And he's like, "I'm gonna call the CEO." And the CEO is like, "Yo, if you come over here in 20 minutes, I'll talk to you like one on one." He's like, "Cool, I'll go do that." But then Dan Homer Simpson or whatever comes over. He's like, "Hey, do you mind moving my car for me?" And he's not able to get to the meeting time. And the whole time you're like, "Tell Homer Simpson to go fuck." himself yeah i think that like there's the bigger thing on the line but it stressed me out because that's just like a human quality where it's like i see that in myself sometimes Mm. where it's like you end up getting too caught up and like oh my god i gotta wash the dishes but i really should be out the door to go do something i'm like why am i focusing on this small task when i like the bigger picture is like the dishes will wait go fucking do this thing or get to your job or do this or like whatever but like you're watching the movie and the movie had such a good way of like showing like how he got too caught up in like this small shit unless the movie was truly being like no he has to do this small shit or he literally I, won't have any money. i mean that's a good like again this is why you're like you said this is a good movie i took it as you want to succeed at something right and you want to succeed but when you're that far into debt it's constantly dragging you down Mm. So that's how I took the the literal x-ray machines where it just represented like I just think purely it represented debt where yeah, it's yeah. like oh yeah the way it, but world. but yeah. but that's why it's just like you're always doing these other things because that's what debt does to you and that's what these things do to you and it's why you can't move up because it's always dragging you down and making things harder for you. I'm with Eric. I wrote a few times in here just like this chapter should be called I have bad priorities. Like yeah. Yeah. I would have gone to that movie and then just moved that dude's car afterwards like there's like a lot of small moments like that where you're like you're um you're missing the forest because you're staring at a tree type shit but i guess i can also see what eric's saying we're just like sometimes you like do get in your own way about stuff Yeah. yeah like it's like yeah don't go chase that dude down for that shit you need to focus See on the that. bigger pictures. But like when you're in it, it's probably like, well, I don't want to upset this guy because he might get me the job. So I have to do this. But I'm with you. I did like constantly write this. Like he had like awful fucking priorities. See, oh, damn, man. You guys are a bunch of capitalists. I took the socialist thing where it's like it's not him having bad priorities. It's the world putting barriers in front of him and not his fault of having bad priorities is just the it's world a- constantly putting those barriers in front of you. And you're never going to get up there. The top echelon of people making that money. Sounds like you don't think he could have been like, you don't think he could have been like, I'm not, I can't move your car or he could have just not. But I think it was more representative. Just like these people 
like the the higher ups just pushing you down. Hey, you want to go talk to that CEO? Uh, yeah. First, I got this thing's gonna make it, so you can't talk to that CEO, so you can't move up in the world. Mm. Anyways, it's okay, also okay. <laughs> also, it was really insane. So he gets hit by that car. Yeah, that scene was crazy. Then he when he picks up his kid, he's just like, I got hit by a car today. He's like, Dad, how? He's like, I was running in the street. Why would you tell your kids you got hit by a car? The guy, when he, after he hits him, he calls him an asshole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's like, asshole. Hey, asshole. What are you, are you okay, asshole? That's uh, great. That guy's windshield just got broken. He's got to pay a fucking deductible <laughs> on that now. But All talk right. about good screenwriting. Sorry, just to nerd out for a second. But always, it like, Every problem comes with 10 more problems and nothing. JJ Abrams right. thing, right? It's the JJ Abrams thing. I'm trying to think of what movie we watch in the Tom Cruise thing where we're just like, oh yeah, this movie like just piles on. Well, maybe Mission Impossible three was yeah, like that. Mission Impossible Three. Just the Jack Reachers on. were like that too. Jack Reachers were like that, but this is like he gets by hit by a car and on top of it, he loses his shoe. So it's it's already bad enough. You get hit by a fucking car, but then you lose a shoe. Oh, he finally finds the light bulb to like fix the machine. And as he's working, like the light, oh, like not even the light over his head will stay on like that goes off. Like nothing ever fucking goes his way. And that's good. Just conflict after conflict, because it makes you root for him. He's so resilient where it's like any one of us would have given up at some point being like this is too much i can't fucking cross the finish line but the fact that he gets there makes that ending so rewarding oh my god if i slept in a bathroom i would jump off a building okay i thought that <laughs> sorry because the movie was just like i would kill me and my child <laughs> also it may be depressed because it's like Raising children is very hard. And I know not everyone is fortunate enough to have a village, but just like, why did he have nobody? He did not have a single friend that he could actually call to like stay at their apartment. He never called the kids a mom. It was just like, hey, send us a couple bucks. Like that depressed the fuck out of me. It also felt a little unrealistic. It's like, how did you have literally nobody like you have a small child with you all right suck some dick <laughs> so yeah oh, <laughs> can i turn my phrase yet yeah turn your stupid phrase this movie was for the old brains and now it's time to go to our teenage brains it works better when we we're talking about how this movie is for when we got older you know how we talked about how the music was shoehorned into this movie that joke was shoehorned we got a joke it's called it's uh called a segue lady uh, what are we segueing into tell me yeah we're segueing it's i am legend That's coming up next important. What is that really? What's next? I'm just gonna double check. I know we've been in situations where it's not the it's next. It's a hundred percent next. Okay. Um, okay. Here's my problem with I, yeah, am, I am Legend. Legend Hancock coming up. Can I tell you my problem with I Am Legend? That's gonna be awesome. That I'm gonna have to apologize now to our dear listeners. I will say he is Legend probably for most of that podcast. And th- mm. that whole podcast will be us listening to He Is Legend. So every oh, time we God. talk about I Am Legend, I. Every motherfucking time ago, he is legend. And Mark goes, no, it's I am legend. So I want to apologize already to our listeners. I will be talking about he is legend the entire podcast. And 
we're going to make a promise to all of our listeners that all three of us are going to read the novel by Richard Matheson called I Am Legend. came out in 1954. How long is it? Before that? we watch this movie so we can compare the book to the no, movie. No, man. Oh, the, the main character is a fat white guy in that one. Here's the thing, motherfucker. How long <laughs> is that movie? Because you know what? Maybe I'll pull it off. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're I think we're like getting into a weird. Ooh, we might be getting to some slump era. Yeah, Will Smith, because check it. We got I Am Legend and Hancock, which I, I don't know box office wise if they were great, but like nobody's going like, oh, those are some fucking gems in the Will Smith catalog. Okay, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to call it now for Hancock. Sleeper. Sleeper yeah. hit, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I really think it was a few years ahead of its time because then everyone took the same kind of like antihero stance after it. And then we go to he gets back with uh, Gabriel, whatever here. The the director of Echo Fado, and they make seven pounds. Oh, they look like it's. I haven't heard good things about that. And then Men in Black Three, After Earth. Ooh, we're getting to slump era. You ready for it? It'll be interesting to see him do a movie good with Jaden, and then do a movie bad with Jaden. Jade, which oh, After Earth. Yeah, M Night. Now in Anchorman, in Anchorman two, it's a cameo. Are we watching Anchorman two? Is that a Patreon episode? Oh God, I can we just watch um, Austin Powers? Yeah, Will Smith is not in that. That's fucking fine. Let's just watch all three. You've been itching to watch Austin Powers for like six months. Good movie. We'll just do Seth Green next, so you have an excuse to watch all the Austin Powers. Oh, that's nice. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen I Am Legend. I haven't seen Hancock. Uh, I Am Legend's gonna be interesting because I, I legend. am legend. <laughs> the Vincent Price movie, which I will save for that episode. Oh, that the old one. So fuck it, drunk, dude. Is uh, I Am Legend, the one where he's got a dog. Yeah, and he kills it. So the one that Vincent Price is in is called The Last Man on Earth. And then Omega oh, Men's the one with Charlton Heston. We'll get all into this. And oh. then I Am Legends, the one with Will Smith and the dog. Is it wrong that I find Charlton Heston so sexy? Oh, why? Charlton Heston is sexy. Oh, okay. his teeth are huge, though. If you see him smile, his teeth are the size Good. of the bite my nipples. All right. Off. Is I Am Legend the old one? Is that the is Charlton Heston in it? In you Omega, Omega Man, Man. Which, okay. is, which is I Am Legend. It's technically I Am Legend. So in that one, is that the one where like the zombies are like destroying culture? And he's like going around like he's like trying to protect the culture of the past, which is like the current. Do you want me to tell you? And he's like, and there's just like a bunch of like young people. It's like hipster jazz, like young people that are like the zombie people. And he's like protecting that. Oh, I'm trying to think of which Charlton Heston movie that is. It um, sounds like a 1950s Batman. It's episode. a it's a 70s movie. Hmm. I can't think of it. Is that I am legend? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. Or Omega Man? But uh, you might be right. I don't know what you're talking like, about. It's the whole thing is like uh, an allegory for like young people coming in and wrecking culture and, and hmm. destroying like the culture that of their parents. And it might be Omega Man. Let's Will dude. Green I might watch people. Omega Man. We'll talk about I might watch Omega Man again before I'm legend. But if you haven't seen it, watch The Last Man on Earth. That fucking movie rips. Oh, shit. What? Is OK. 
does this look familiar? It's Charlton Heston yep. in a fucking green velvet tuxedo. That's from Omega Man. Yeah, Omega Man. Yeah. So like the I think the zombies are like almost or the zombies are like they're oh, people shit. in He's like hoods. Like, an insane yeah, yeah. gun in it. Yeah, and the whole thing is he's the old, he's the old like guard of culture. Yeah. You said you want to watch Austin Powers, baby. It looks like watch how bad a man we are. Dude, yeah, that's a fuck, good movie. I am a legend. Let's watch some Omega Man. Here's the thing: I'll fucking eat people. You don't even have to make it into Soylent Green. <laughs> oh shit, dude! I'll eat people. I'll be like, uh, who's that bitch in uh, Dune? Oh, um, the little boy Zendaya. No, the little boy Timothy Chalamet's new movie where he's like, uh, he's uh, oh, he's like, he's eating people. No, he's he he literally (laughs) is a is a cannibal in his new movie. Yeah, bones and something, (laughs) bones, bones bones and heart. It's all an allegory for eating it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we gotta go. um, Okay, we should all watch Omega Man just like for ourselves. I'll watch it because I am such a fan of the I Am Legend mythology and story. It's you know what? Fuck you. Why would you just say that you're a fan of Charlton Heston? From my (laughs) cold, dead hands. You know what? Okay, Mark might dig this, but I'm getting these images from Omega Man are (laughs) fucking startling. Look at the images from The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, because those are startling, too. Um, I'm getting into Mark's wavelength. I'm getting into Planet of the Apes, and I ain't talking new Planet of the Apes. I'm talking the fucking eight or ten. That I own it. We have, I have all of them. I, I, I've been dipping my toes in, and they're fucking awesome. Second one's kind of shitty. Second one is the one where they go under the Earth and like they have like... Uh, they're praying to a nuclear bomb, right? The nuclear bomb. I like the third one where they go back to the seventies. Oh yeah, I love that one. Oh, you, third, your mom likes that. The one third too. one's cool. They go back to the seventies because they're trying to like um, kill Caesar's parents or some shit. I don't fucking remember oh. too much, but that one I remember being pretty groovy. Into that one. Mm, that one is kind of groovy. Yeah, dude, Mark loves all of them. Planet of the Apes. Second one's lame. The masks are just so crazy. All right. All right, that's okay. Honestly, I'm looking at these Vincent Price ones and they're fucking trippy as fuck. I have so much to say about this. A really good um, poster. It's like a really look it up. Vincent Price Last Man on Earth poster is like really This is what Um, alive among the lifeless. This is alone among the crawling creatures of evil that make the night hideous with their inhumane I, cravings like the, the best all right this is what you need to do. go to the go and watch the the original soylent green trailer because nowadays like you know if you i don't know if they were making a joker movie it would just be like a dark screen and you would just like hear somebody fighting and then like there's <laughs> some shit in the background of bitty like joker so, and you're like what the fuck is this <laughs> soylent green trailer for soylent green I shit you not. It's 45 seconds long. And within those 45 seconds, <laughs> give away that they're eating people. <laughs> oh, my In God. The trailer for it. They're just they're like, Soylent Green is something bad. And he goes, <laughs> it's people <laughs> in the trailer. <laughs> What are you we, doing? I know we complain about modern trailers giving away movies, but dude, old trailers 
were the movie <laughs> that you because <laughs> you know what i this is like an old um like thought process where it's like if you read a book and you know the ending to the book guess what you didn't read a spoiler that's not the important part the important part is how the fuck did you get there and i mm. feel like maybe old movies were like that too where it's just like yo yeah when they made the last the 10 commandments we know how that ends up they get the fuck out of egypt but how do they get there and how shirtless is yule brunner along the way this summer see the star wars <laughs> you blew up the death star <laughs> like what the fuck why are you telling us this it doesn't matter what matters is how did they get to the point that's that my dad <laughs> <laughs> the Star Wars in theaters. <laughs> Michael Corleone will become the Godfather. The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> fucked up, dude. Even like the Ghostbusters trailer. If you watch the Ghostbusters, it's just like there are four men, and now they're busting ghosts. <laughs> it's like what? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> all right i'm for it don't leave me hanging so i'm gonna go see a movie that's like fuck what you we literally started this whole conversation you being like i'm not gonna tell you a single thing about a movie but go see it like no bring me back to the uh, thing where it's like i already know what's happening in this movie it's just how why all right we gotta end this podcast yeah we okay do. all right bye, bye. bye.